You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Jeff Wood, welcome to Real Faith Stories, man. It's really good to have you on the show today. Oh, I'm so excited. This is going to be great. You are probably on your third, fourth cup of coffee today. Tell me. Tenth. Tenth. Uh, just to be honest and transparent with the interview. <laughs> okay. I don't suspect we'll be hearing really, really fast words, but we'll find out here, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, I would love to hear some of your backstory. I mean, you were incarcerated. You were given a sentence, a 50-year sentence in prison, and the Lord miraculously got you out way before that. And then you started a coffee shop, but so much has happened and so many miracles. So please share a little bit of your backstory and let's dig into this. I had, uh, like most kids, really follow the dreams of their fathers. And uh, I had a dad, just a great serial entrepreneur not a tremendous follow-through financial manager, but always big vision. And uh, just growing up, I had I had lived in that shadow and thought, you know, I'm going to follow this guy forever. He ended up starting a, a company in 2006 and seven, And it was like, this is it. We're going to retire. I mean, this is it. Come on board, drop out of college. And I, I dropped out my senior year out of U of H to just kind of follow into this vision. And man, nobody saw 2008, 2007 happening, and it was cataclysmic for this business we were in. So my father found himself in a place where he's just relieving Peter to pay Paul to keep things probably afloat. I don't know if it was all super malicious, but because of the town we were in, it got really exposed and blown up. And when my dad went to trial, he lost, and they gave him 42 years non-aggravated in Texas prison. And I just remember being so crushed and so embarrassed and so humiliated. My dad, I couldn't save him. I couldn't help him. And and then the district attorney had really turned and said, hey, here's the deal. Your daddy's a little monster. We already got your daddy. You can take this eight years and we'll go away forever. Or you can fight this and go to trial. And I'm going to come at you with everything I got your dad for. So me being a really idiot 26, 25-year-old kid just said, you know, I didn't put money in my pockets. I wasn't stealing money, right? And I didn't shoved $100 bills and they can't show that I stole anything. So I went to trial of Brian and I lost miserably. And um, when the sentence came down, it was, it's funny because when the jury uh, deliberation came back, they said, we, we want, we'd like to give him 25 years, which 25 years is a lot of time for a theft charge. But in my head, I had figured out, I think I can do the 25 because it's only going to take me so much on parole to do X, Y, and Z. And so, and kind of a backside too is I had become an atheist through the college school system and had debated gyms and, and really just open forum evolutionary, just kind of bringing Christians down that didn't know a lot of about their Bibles and was able to really derail and and, and probably um, just frustrate a lot of folks in college. And so, in that that spirit, this is where God is now leading us into the trial of my life, where everything is exposed. Everything that you thought was good is not good. Everything you thought was the best thing you ever did was just manipulation. And and the DA can do a really good job of painting your story, your life. Truth and, and you know, a little bit of truth, a little bit of lies. And there was no real defense for my life. So in that thinking of atheism, I lost that trial. And the, the DA came back and said, you know, we have two sides of the transaction. We'd like the motion to staff charges. So instead of 25 years, we're, we're thinking 50. Wow. And that was when I was like, oh, what does that mean? What is 
what is 50? What, you know, what is, what is staff charges? What, and my lawyer said, Hey, you know, uh, they can't do that, Jeff. It's really the you know, Texas law kind of said they can't stack charges on these things. And I'll tell you what, it was just amazing because that judge looked over and said, well, we're going to do it. And I'll let the appellate court rule on it. And my whole life crashed with 50 years as a uh, unbelievable weight on my shoulders. And I had, I had figured out that, you know, I wasn't going to cut my wrist or hang myself, but I would take pills. I would just overdose on pills and I would commit suicide and that would be the end of me. And that's great. And I had really bought into a lot of demonic lies just due to the the severity of the circumstances and everything Mm -hmm. that surrounded that. But I probably about, I think they took me back to a cell by myself. It's not like the movies where you get to kiss your wife goodbye and all that. Mm -hmm. They chain you up and I drag you out. And, um, and it was so hard. I was, I was just broken. And I think probably that night or that day being in the cell by myself, I said, God, are you real? And if you want to use my life, use it. If not, I'm going to lose it. And then all of a sudden I just had some crazy hope in my heart. And this hope was like, I can do the 50 years. And I just couldn't really explain it. I couldn't really explain what happened, but it was almost like I was bipolar. And I went from like being totally depressed and manic and suicidal to so full of joy and hope that I could do 50 years and that wasn't going to be a problem. It's a great change, right? But I knew at that point that God was real. Now, that that didn't mean I had fallen in love with Jesus yet. I just I say that because I knew that he was calling me to something and I didn't know anything about the scripture or the Bible. So, so many things were flying at me, universalism, different doctrines, just anything you would read, you would just pick it up and think that maybe it was like scripture-esque. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was writing a book uh, about my life, which was kind of a carnal nonsense of my youth. And you kind of read it now, you go, be like a 13-year-old kid, but in your 20-year-old body. But um, you get it all out and you see that, wow, you really were just, I mean, just selfish and broken, all these things. In the middle of the night, writing the book, God really spoke to me and said, do you love me? And I said, uh, yeah. And he said, do you love me? Oh, yeah. He said, do you love Jesus? And I said, uh, oh, sure. Yeah, he's great. Your son? Oh, yeah, he's awesome. He said, do you love Jesus? I'm like, yeah. He said, do you love Jesus? And I said, dang it. No, I don't. I was like, I don't even know Jesus. This is in prison as you're writing this book. He, the Lord's asking you this. This is actually in the county before I go to prison. There was a preparation that had to take place. When they sent me to prison, they sent me to Texas's maximum security prison uh, in Cofield. It was a 4,200 person max security place, which I didn't know anything about that or what that meant or who was going to be there. But before I left, it was when I wrote this book and it was like just getting all my stuff on paper. And God spoke that to me. And once I said, I didn't love Jesus, I'm telling you my whole, everything changed. Cause it was easy for me to say, God, God, God. And God was saying, no, hold on. I want you to meet Jesus. You know, we kind of date God, right? We kind of pick him up on Sunday. We drop him off at the church. We don't really get the intimacy of God until we meet his son. Mm. And then after that, I stopped reading the Bible for stories of angels and demons. And I got, I got it in the gospels. I fell in love with Jesus. So he knew I needed Jesus because when I pulled up to this prison, Brian, it was like a Stephen King movie. It was terrible. The banging and the clanging and the screaming. I was like, ah, I walked in very quickly. I started to meet believers who had quadruple life sentences. So everybody in this prison was sex crimes, murders, uh, robberies. A lot of people, because of my classification, this will make sense to some guys who are listening out there, I had a classification of 50 years, which made me at a higher uh, security level than people with 49 years. So I had to go stay with a particular group of people, which happened to be the worst in prison. But those guys, most of them had tapped out for the Lord. So they were triple, quadruple life sentences, never going home. But man, they knew Jesus. 
And I said, I don't know what you guys know, but I need to get that. I would suspect was an utter mind blow to be surrounded by these former murderers, etc., who have now given their life to Christ, and you're surrounded by a bunch of believers in prison. Is that not a mind blow? Oh, it's a mind blow. I, especially because I just started my walk. You know, I mean, I'm just meeting, and everywhere I was going, I was meeting believers. Everywhere I was going, I was meeting people that knew, and it was, you know, God was setting it up. And what you'll find if you ever go do prison ministry or volunteer in the prison is like, the, the prison is more on fire for the things that are going on of God than the world. Wow. And so really, volunteers go in to get their lives changed because they're they're going in there and they're engaging in prisons where there's really something of God working. And it's pretty awesome. So just walking through that incarceration, uh, uh, just for anybody out there that's been through it, it, it was just a miracle. Um, God kept me for eight years. And uh, a miracle did happen in the midst of that, about four years in. They finally started a seminary program there with, with, with David Jeremiah. And uh, it was awesome, man. They brought it in and and we were doing Shadow Mountain curriculum. And, and in the middle of that, almost done with a year of it, this appeal comes through that unstacks my charges. And so I go from 50 to 25. Let me explain stack charges. Once it's stacked, I have to make Pearl on the first one in order to start the next one. So my, I mean, all you could do is wait for, hey, could I get Pearl on this first 25 in order to start my next one? Right. So when they unstack the charges, which is less than a 1% chance in the state of Texas to really get your appeal pushed through, oh, it changed my life. And so I get called down and said, hey, you're no longer going to be here. You're going to go to these trustee camps. I'm like, well, hold on. I'm in the seminar. Can I wait it out? He goes, no, you can deny this and I'll send you to segregation, which is like worse than where I was at. I said, no, 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 I'll go, whatever. And he goes, hey, they need you out there. You need to go. And that was the Lord, man. Who said they need you out there? The warden calls me down there and says, hey, they've unstacked your charges. You're going to go to a trustee camp. <laughs> the Lord was using the warden as, a, as an instrument who is not a very nice warden. But he just made that comment, hey, they need you out there. And I heard that, and I said, okay, they need me out there. And they did, man. It was just a – and these guys in the trustee camps were going home soon. And so they were going home tomorrow. They were going home next month. And so there was a real need for discipleship in the moment. And then God had already prepared me for four years sitting with men that had – you know, their hope was not in going home. Their hope was in the Lord. And so just being able to share that. And that's why, Brian, sometimes it's hard. You know, we do a lot of teaching out here, too, now. And it's hard for someone to say, well, where did he get his teaching from, his doctrine? Did he go to DTS? Did he go to these different Bible schools? I'm like, no, I went to prison. And I'm, <laughs> I, met, I met guys with real encounters with the Lord uh, that knew Scripture backwards and forwards better than I ever did. But we were able to uh, we were able to study daily. And even the gangs would protect our Bible study tables. I mean, just miracles would happen in there. Just a lot of a lot of fun stories, actually. I mean, not only have time for all of it. So there was an appeal that was made on your behalf to unstack the charges. Who made that appeal? You are given an appellate attorney if you want to, you know, Kelowna's trial, and that one appellate attorney did nothing. And one day I get this visit from this little old lady. I said, "Hey, the county has fired your attorney. I'm sorry, it's been two years. He did absolutely nothing for you, and I have been waiting." on this unstacking. That was my hope, right? Right. I, I couldn't do it all. And so she came in, she said, Mr. Wood, there's a lot of errors in the trial. And she said, is there anything you'd like me to do? And I just, I just began to tell her about the Lord. And what's funny is she said, I have no idea who I'm talking to. She's like, uh, I, I look at this paperwork and they make you look like whatever. I said, you know what, ma'am, I'm probably all those things in the past, but I met Jesus. 
And I said, you know, I mean, I don't have tattoos on my face. I don't look like I should be in prison. So it's a little deceptive. So she's probably trying to figure it out. But man, she said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to take care of this. And I'll tell you what, Brian, within six months, this lady had my sentences unstacked. And I was transferred out of the worst facilities into the best trustee camp facilities. Did you ever circle back with her after you got out? Yes. Tell me about that. I found her. Now, it's always it's always God. I, I couldn't have found her on my own because I literally had one interaction with her. And then, of correspondence through mail. So we're doing a chamber event. We just kick off our coffee company. And they, the Chamber of Commerce in the Woodlands, Texas, has brought us in. Mm-hmm. And I go in there. You know, have a, they have all these little offices. And I look and I see this lady's name. I said, I know that name. I know that. I, said, I told my wife, we got to find this lady. This is the lady that got me out of prison. This is the lady that unstacked my charges. And we went and found her. She had an office around there. Oh, she was so happy. She oh, awesome. So I know. And I, I just thought, man, yeah. And you know what? I'm, I leave out, of course, I am a fast talker. Probably do all the coffee. But I leave out so many great God stories. I try to give you guys a nutshell. But there's so many things that happen like that where God circled around, even with district attorneys, even with city officials in Conroe. All these things have been restored. That's wonderful. Let's pivot to your coffee shop, He Brews. So you yeah. shared with me before I hit record that you were jokingly thinking about starting a coffee shop when you were in prison. Yeah. You drink instant coffee and you'd think, Oh, the worst. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's, how did you come up with that name? I mean, just tell me that real quickly. I'm curious. One day, I can't even tell you. I just, it's like then you start talking about things you think it's because mm-hmm. you're studying the book of Hebrews. You're like, Hey, let's. <laughs> now, little did I know that. There are a billion Hebrews coffees. I mean, every church has a Hebrews coffee. So the joke was not just to me. I thought God was going to make us the only one in the world. It would be this brilliant thing one day when God brought it all to fruition. But there's lots of little Hebrews things. I I talked about it for at least four years when I didn't realize that until a lot of the men that I discipled um, when they're out. And they said, man, don't you remember talking about it every day? I said, I don't remember talking about it every day. They're like, no, Jeff, we talked about it every day. And hey, you wrote out business plans. And you just forget that when God puts a vision in your heart and he wants to bring it to pass, it's all you can think about, especially in a place like that, right? Sure. I mean, it was scripture. Uh, God taught me how to play piano and guitar in there. And then it was like, I was going to open a coffee shop one day. I don't know how any of that was going to make money, but it was like, all right, we're going to do it. Okay. And so I was released after eight years, one month. I was fresh in the world. I was ready to go. And I was, I've been discipled and I wanted to plug into the churches. And what I would have loved, Brian, is if the churches would have said, hey, there he is. Let's get him and disciple him and raise him up in leadership. God, what potential. And it didn't work out that way. The ministry that the ministry I was, oh, I went for two months. I couldn't find a job. The first people to hire me, you're going to love this. One was construction. I was doing construction in the morning. Then I would work at Starbucks at night. Mm-hmm. And I told Starbucks my story. And I said, listen, I have this thing, this testimony. Here's what it is. And I'd love to start a coffee shop one day. And the lady said, all right, we'll take a risk on you. Let's do it. And so I worked at Starbucks for a year. And what I realized was that the ministry that I was called to wasn't really going to be facilitated within church walls. Although that would have been my hope because it was safe and I could have had access to people. The ministry that God called me to was connecting in the kingdom. And so probably after about four months, five months after I get out, I get out in May, or maybe a year. A year after I get out, getting finally get different jobs. Marsha and I get married. She's amazing. She says, I'm quitting my job. I, I'm done with logistics. I'm like, now, hold on. You're kind of making all the money. She goes, no, I just, I think God's calling me something different. I said, okay. And then all of a sudden, I finally got a job in this nonprofit world, helping a, a dream center. And then they had a fire and that shut down. Mm. So Marsha and I sat for two weeks before the Lord, just sitting before the Lord, man. 
we used to joke like, man, these are the good old days right here. This is what we're living. This is we can think back on the time we got to pray for two weeks with, you know, unemployed. And then a, tr- a little coffee trailer became available. And then some brother had $10,000 he wanted to invest. And we went to Hobby Lobby and built a sign. And then we had a Hebrews coffee camper. Wow. You know, a little bit of permitting and LLC. And we had some brothers give us some counsel on starting the business and the paperwork. And man, I mean, that was, that was in June of 2000, 2018. You and your wife pray for two weeks. And then you said a trailer became available. So how did that happen? We had a, a company that we were friends with that I was I was helping to do worship nights. It was a coffee company. Okay. And they had they had started in a coffee trailer, and then they weren't using their coffee trailer. And it looked a lot different than it did when we got it. So we we they said, hey, why don't we just finance you and you can buy it? I was a little afraid of that. And then one of their owners said, why don't I just partner with you guys? I'm only like a something partner over here. And why don't I partner and I'll bring the trailer into the business. You guys can use it. This guy's got $10,000. All of a sudden, Marsh and I were 25, 25, 25, 25 with other people. Yeah. And in the beginning, I needed that. We didn't have anything to put in. So it was a lot of sweat equity. And um, so that trailer became our first trailer. And we ran as hard as I possibly could. I can tell you that anybody wanting to be in the coffee business, I always say like, uh, that's great. Are you willing to sweat out the side of the road for two years <laughs> and maybe make $60? Like. I, it looks glamorous and cute on TLC when people do, you know, but I mean, the reality is, man, it's, it's work, you know, it's set up, it's teared down, it's all that. And God honored that and blessed that. And I just segue here because maybe there's some business folks listening about partnerships and things like that. So I think God sometimes has to get you in a partnership to teach you what's good and bad about them. The brilliance of the Lord is right before the pandemic, we had an opportunity to buy everybody out. It was February of 2020. And I, I mean, I was really excited we could run the trailer by ourselves without having other people involved. And man, COVID happened in March of that next month. So you did the buyout, right? We did the buyout. We felt good. And then we all got locked down. Wow. And, but even in that, God is so faithful. And I, I could never imagine just kind of fast forward a little bit through the pandemic, we got some side work and we, we still did some events. And then all of a sudden people want to get out of the house. And so they were booking a coffee trailer to come do these neighborhood events. And, you know, people didn't want to be stuck in the house. And so we, we started getting booked events again. We we're looking good. And then October of 2020, some guy was racing and he just hits the back of my trailer and destroys it. Whoa, totaled it? Flips it upside down, totals it. There's these great pictures on Facebook, right? I'm parked in front of, I mean, the trailer's literally upside down. All of our stuff is on the road. And there's this giant cross, big purple monster cross from Salem Lutheran Church. And there's a sign next to it that says, need help? You know, and so you don't see it. I, I, I was just taking a picture of the wreck. And, and I said, God, I think you're done with coffee. I don't think that, I mean, if, if this is what it is. You've destroyed everything. This is all my chickens in one basket. Right. And um, I'll tell you, through GoFundMes and people sending money and we were in two weeks. We had another trailer. We threw cedar wood on it. We got coffee machines. We were we were really back running for October events. And I, I thought, oh, that was great. And man, okay, now we got a trailer. We're really doing something. And then we got uh, a proposition from the property that we're at. And the guy had said he found us because we had worked with another company at the time. He said, you know, I see you guys really sweating in that trailer. What you need is a coffee shop. I said, oh, I, yeah. It's just hard to think about overhead and employees and all that stuff. He goes, yeah, yeah. I want to help you out. Here's the deal. I want to hire you as my property manager. And I want you to build that cafe. I said, I would love to be a property manager. I think it's a terrible location to build a cafe. He said, you're not seeing it. And this guy was a believer. You know, I mean, he was just a, he was just like an old king, you know, that was kind of, he had built a lot, developed a lot in the Magnolia area. 
He said, I'm telling you, man, if you build it, they'll come. Nobody has ever had the ability to be around you in Marsha because you're always so transient in that trailer. You're never at one place long enough. Jeff, he saw your heart. He clearly yeah. saw your hearts and he's like, I need to support these people. God put it on his yeah. heart to help you. Yeah. And he said, I know how hard it is to be in business. I, I get it. I want to take away the real estate problem you have. I want to be the solution to your real estate component of your business. Let me build you a cafe. He said, worst case scenario, I'll move another coffee company. Just let me build it all out for you. And Brian, he did, man. He did an amazing job. And so the location that we have right now, this location is so blessed. And I'm telling you, it's a terrible location. It defies all the laws of retail. Nobody would pick this and say, okay, this is the spot we want to drive back to in the back of this industrial complex. But it was because we had opened in, in February. We had a big snowstorm in, in Texas. So really, we didn't get kicked off till March. I would tell you, we probably had 10 people that came in the whole day. It was pretty slow. But by the end of April, we, we do a Bible study. And one thing that we've done for years, we, we changed it. It used to be Bibles in the boardroom uh, because all the boardrooms are open during the pandemic. And then we changed the Bible in the coffee house. And a pastor comes down from Tyler to co-host with me. And we, we, we do live. And we have about, at the time, we had about 10 people that would show up to it. But a brother at the Bible study and afterwards, said, can I talk to you? I said, yeah, what's up? He said, I got to show you what the Lord showed me. I said, okay, what's up? He said, I saw a redwood tree out of California. I saw you with this little hatchet in your hand. He said, but I saw that God gave, is about to give you an ax, and that tree is coming down, and the distribution is more than you can handle. And of course, I'm like, ah, oh, it sounds great. And we've been really pretty slow, like, okay, this is the best the coffee shop's going to do, Lord. I mean, let, let's do something else too, you know? And he said, no, you don't get it, man. That distribution is going to be more than you can handle. Well, that day, Brian, we had got these little boards. In the beer and wine world, you would get beer flights or wine flights, sure. okay? Yeah. And, and you get four little samples of your favorite beer or wine. Well, Nobody had been really been doing it with coffee. And so we bought these wine boards that week, Tuesday, when that guy told me that, I just had, I wouldn't even put two and two together. I had taken pictures of these drinks and said, hey, we're going to offer coffee flights. And I had posted these three little pictures on Facebook that night, five o'clock. So he had talked to me at two, five o'clock, I post that. He comes to you and says he sees these boards, right? Yes. You're going to use an ax now on this tree. And then you get this idea to do coffee flights. Three hours later, you put it on Facebook, and what happens? It goes nuts. I'm watching. If you have a Facebook uh, business profile, you can kind of see the reach that things have. Not likes, not loves, but the reach. Actual people that are getting, they're viewing it at some point. And Brian, it was climbing so fast. It was at 350,000 views within the first hour. I said, (laughs) within the next two hours, it was at... 750,000 views. I was calling friends like, you got to watch this. Something's going on. By the next morning, is at 1.3 million views and the line was out the door. I walked up. I said, hey, what are you guys here for? What's going on? Go, We're here for the coffee flights. I go, no. <laughs> Brian, it has not stopped. It's almost been a year yep. and there's still a line out the door for coffee flights. Dude. Now, we only had six employees at the time and three little flight boards. I used to be like, guys, it's going to be an hour and 10 minutes for flights. And they'd be like, that's great. The line would be out in the parking lot. I'd walk around with a sign saying, 50 minutes on flights. I mean, we only had one little machine and six employees. God grew us to 28 employees today. We've got multiple machines now. And we, our line times have cut down drastically. But it really evolved us into a, a, not just a coffee shop, but just a kitchen, a small restaurant, a breakfast nook, a real coffee house. Mm. And even today, people are just streaming in from all over Texas on a Wednesday 
just to come and be a part of that. So, so this gentleman spoke to you. Tell me what he, he told you again. He said, see a big redwood tree and you, you've had a hatchet in your hand for a long time and you've been really trying to ax away at this tree and it's not doing anything. Okay. But God's about to give you an ax and the tree is coming down. The ax is the coffee flights. That's it. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of like a right now word. You know I mean? I don't really get the right now. I get like the 10 year out word. Right. Hey, 10 years from now, this is what God's going to do. That was like a next day word. That's right. Uh, it, it was a less than 24 hour word. It was amazing. Yes. It's so amazing to see, not just the flights, but just the people yeah. and the community and all the connecting. Speaking of connecting, tell me a couple stories that you've experienced with your customers coming in and receiving ministry from the folks that work with you. Do you have any you can share? Oh, sure. We have this one lady that would come in and, and uh, hey, how are you? She'd go, I'm from California. I said, oh, I'm California too. Great. She'd have her little drink and she would sit there and she'd come in maybe two times a week. Then we started really like seeing her come back. She was there five days a week. I said, man, Karen, good to see you. You having a good time? She all of a sudden got involved with, we have two in-house Bible studies we do, but we also open up to the, everybody in the faith community can do their Bible studies there too. We have lots of rooms and conference rooms and prayer rooms and stuff uh, attached to the coffee shop. And so she goes, I'm going to tell you that I'm, I'm getting involved with every group that's going on here. And Jeff, I'm coming alive. I said, <laughs> man, that's awesome. And she goes, and she, and so weeks later, she said, I know what it is. She called my wife over. She said, do you know what God has called me to be? I said, what's that, Karen? She says, um, I'm called to be a full-time Hebrews customer. And I'm called to be here when people walk through the doors so I can tell them about my experience with this place so they feel comfortable and understand what's going on here. Whoa. I said, praise God. Yeah. I Our retention right now is we, we are 40% retention and 60% new. But that's only because we have a massive new group coming in every week. So it really skews my numbers. But what I love to see in the last year is that the retention of people who come in Every day they do their work here, they do their Bibles, they do their school here, they do everything here, and they get what they need as a fulfillment from the community. Listen, Starbucks does a great, let me just say, Starbucks does a great job creating third space between home and work. I just realized, even though I was working for that corporation, I, I need a third space between church and home. I need somewhere that I can go for the six days a week that I'm not there on a Sunday, that I can feel loved and comfortable. And if, if anybody coming in here feels like it's, hey, we're going to have a Starbucks experience, this is not the coffee shop for you. This is a party. This is a Jesus party. People are alive in here. People are talking, connecting. It is, I mean, it's it's amazing the energy when you walk in. And of course, people love that. I go to other coffee shops. I feel like I'm in a bank vault. Nobody's talking. They're all on their computers. You're quiet. The music's down low. I just want to be so different because I think it's what's needed. But we want to be so different from what's really happening in the norm in the coffee world. And it, and it works. It works for us. I'm sure you have people coming in probably daily or at least weekly asking for perhaps business guidance from you or just your thoughts about life in general. What's one of the biggest pieces of advice you tend to dispense to people? I'm just curious. I think some of the stuff is not going to be real well received by everyone. Not every company wants to brand. You know, it's kind of the scary things to brand off like Jeff and Marsha are the thing, but Hebrews didn't mean anything to anybody. So I didn't want it this way, but it really became about Marsha and I and our relationship with people. And so for those who are scared of social media and don't want to jump into that water, and I don't think social media is going to be with us. I don't think Facebook's going to be with us forever. But while it's here, God uses it. And and there's no other faster way than I can disseminate information but social media. And so when there's a new product, there's something fun going on or having a concert, I just get on live. 
And that really pushes your limits to what you feel comfortable with. If you're a relatable human that loves people, and that's why you're in business, I'm not talking to tech people. I'm not talking to infrastructure people. I'm talking to retail people. And it's your company. You put your face out there. You love on folks. Let them see you. Let them walk in. And then don't be those owners that aren't there all the time. The biggest thing, they come and take pictures with us from all over the United States. <laughs> so we have a big map on the wall now that's kind of where everybody's come from. You know, when they've flown in and we have people flying in from California just to have the flights. Wisconsin, Indianapolis. I, mean, I think some of these people are coming in to look at like real estate in the area because they're trying, trying to escape all the states they're from. But, <laughs> but then, so we, we started pinning. You should go look at this map. And what they're doing is they're, they're when, when Marsh and I are there, and I'm more uh, obviously outgoing. Marsha really would rather just be behind the scenes, but it kind of pushes her out of her comfort zone too. But do people want to come take pictures with you? They want to come love on you. They want to come talk to you. They want to tell you how the Bible study is helping them and, mm-hmm. and, and all these things that are being posted in, through our social media. And the platform we're using is once that thing went to 25,000 followers, Brian, we were at like 2,500. It jumped up so much. My Facebook, my Instagram, everything jumped up. We had a platform for the gospel. Well, I was going to take the risk. And I'll tell you, we did lose some viewers because we started posting Bible studies on our, but you know what? We got more viewers. We got more followers because they really wanted that. So we're talking to believers. I don't know much about just just business in the secular. I think it's very dry and it's a hard place to succeed in because you got so much competition that wants to stab you in the back to get your business. In the kingdom, it's very different. I think all these coffee shops that are believer coffee shops or whatever can coexist. I try to make friendships with all of them. Uh, I try to promote their products too. I want them to be, I want to be a coffee community. I don't want to be a competitive community. And because of that, we've dominated social media. We've dominated the markets. We might be one of the highest grossing coffee shops in our area. I don't know. You know what I mean? And we're not in a good location and we don't have a drive-thru. <laughs> and we close at two. Brian, we, we only open from 7.30 to two. So we, and, and weekends, it's only eight to one. So I mean, we're a terrible coffee shop for hours and location. But man, we run everybody through at that time and we can get everybody out and they all have a great time. What's your web address? It is www.hebrewslocalcoffee.com. Okay. And what about social media? How can people find out more about you and see your posts? Sure. Instagram is great. Instagram is great for, for picture content. And that's at Hebrews Magnolia. But if you guys want Facebook's a lot of fun because there's a lot more uh, content, content, advertising and whatnot. It's fun stuff that's happening. And that's at Hebrews Coffee House Magnolia. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate all the info you've shared. This is a great story. As we finish up, would love to have you pray for our listeners, please. Oh, absolutely. Oh, man, Father, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity to speak to this group. God, we know you're changing hearts. I know there's people out there that are fearful of what's happening with the economy and different variants of COVID. All that stuff is subjected to you, Lord. And God, when you're birthing businesses, Lord, I pray that all the dreams that are in their heart, all the vision that's there, God, you just fan that flame. Uh, Call people out of that comfort zone. Call them out of the boat. Allow them to see what you're really doing with their businesses and ministries. And give them the big picture, Lord. Just give them, give them a glimpse of what, what the totality is. And I think that's what you're doing with us, Lord. You're showing us the, the changed lives, the, the people that feel like they're at home. And I pray that that's that way for their industry as well, Lord. I also pray that anybody's out there that's just really questioning God, uh, business, in their marriage, in their family, Lord, that they would come to an unbelievable revelation of your love. And they would be able to see you and everybody around them. And there would be a, uh, just a radical change and shift. Uh, in the atmosphere of their homes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. So good to hear your story. All right, Brian. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. 
Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.